that's essentially a sermon in itself, and, and we could easily just end right there. Uh, when you read that passage from Philippians 3, uh, to me, it just makes sense. Uh, it's something that I hope that, that you can dwell on, you can take with you as together we stand and sing. No, I'm just kidding. Just playing. Um, uh, y'all know that that was almost like torture for me to watch that Treat Street video, because if you didn't know, my, my kind of hidden talent, and I say talent, maybe with some air quotes, is, is that I can freestyle a little bit, and Dave, sick beat, like that, that was a nice choice, like I kind of wanted to rap a little bit, but thanks again to Cammie, uh, she, she killed it with the full-term pregnancy costume that she wore to Treat Street, and uh, we're so thankful for everything she did and her team of volunteers did with her uh, to pull off just a fantastic event. And I'd challenge you on that to, uh, to follow up. If you made a connection with somebody during that event, if you met somebody, if you got their name, um, it, it, ask about them. We, we took down information when people checked in. So especially if you connected personally with somebody on any level, we can look that up. And I think it matters more for you to reach out to them. We want to reach out to them as a church, as a whole, but make sure that you're reaching out to them. I want to start things a little different this morning. Uh, I want to sing one more song as we get started. Uh, it's a song that I've been singing uh, since I was a little, little kid. So you can just pick up as we go if you don't know it already. Okay, everybody ready? Oh, anybody? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. I had to. Um, World Series has been great, guys, so far, uh, and and I, I'm trying not to to jinx myself by by saying that right now because I'm okay with it coming back to Houston, having a few more games to be able to watch. But seriously, uh, most of us have been watching probably the World Series with it being at home this year, uh, and so many people here loving the Astros. One of my favorite things last night, if you did get to watch the game, was the salute uh, to the continued fight to cancer. Uh, it it kind of caught me off guard. I don't know about y'all, but it, it, it was this moment where, you know, the game's going and the game's serious, and all of a sudden it cuts from a short commercial and everybody is holding these signs of, of who they stand for, of who they pray for, of who they think of, and who they've been touched by when it comes to cancer. And y'all know me, I'm a crier, so I'm like sitting there, middle of a World Series baseball game, teared up with, with tears rolling down my face. It was a moment of unity in a divided world. Uh, and I don't know about y'all, but for me, I just get so exhausted by the division. And it was so refreshing to see people from all different walks of life, from every different place, and the way that they were touched in that moment. Those moments where people find where they can connect rather than where they just disagree. And so, not connected to the message, but I just challenge you as you go out this week to, to find uh, those connections, to build those connections, uh, and build them around Jesus, build them around the love you have for Jesus and stop participating in the hate and the vitriol. Like, I, I believe truly right now more than ever, there's nothing that is going to further the cause of Christ more than just being simply different from the world around us. That when the world is choosing hate, we choose to love. Then the world is choosing division, we choose unity. We choose to try and do the things and say the things that are going to center people back around the love of our God. In Philippians chapter 3, before the passage that was just read, 
Paul opens this chapter. And it's almost like, if you go back and you spend some time in the book of Philippians, it's almost like Paul, when he starts Philippians 3, uh, he's ready to wrap up. Because anytime Paul says finally, which is kind of like a preacher, when we say finally, you get high hopes that it's about to wrap up and then you get 15 more minutes. But, but that's essentially what Paul does here. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And it's almost like he, he's getting ready to wrap it up and then he just has all this wave of words come over him and he just has to share with the Philippian church. But those first words, rejoice in the Lord. You know what really makes people want to be part of something is when they just see how miserable you are. I, I, there's nothing more that makes me want to be a part of something more than when I just see that the people involved in that organization, in that group, on that team are, are just miserable. I mean, they, they seem like they do not enjoy life at all. No, we know that's not the case. But sometimes as Christians, I don't, I don't, I don't think we focus on the joy that we should have in the, in the Lord. And this connects with the rest of the message, but have you ever noticed that the people who elevate rules above Jesus, because that's one of the things that Paul's addressing here, the people who elevate rules above Jesus are usually kind of miserable people to be around. I, like they don't have a lot of joy in their life because they're not rejoicing, I think, in the Lord. So let's think this week as we get started to where you can find that deep sense of inner joy in the Lord this week. Rejoice in the Lord. I write these same things to you, and it's no trouble for me. It's safe for you. So what Paul is saying, it's, it's not a bad thing to say something that needs to be said and to hear something that needs to be heard over and over again if it is for you. And also when we hear that, it's because it's maybe something that's so easy to fall back into. It's something that's so easy for us to become again what we once were. And then he says this, he says, watch out for dogs. Well, watch out for these dogs, watch out for these evildoers, watch out for these manipulators, these mutilators of the flesh. So who are, who are the dogs in this scenario? People who want to make it about more than Jesus. It's the people that want to make it Jesus and fill in the blank. Here's what you have to do. You have Jesus, but you also, we, we need to go back to this circumcision. And he's talking about a literal circumcision. They, they, they wanted to make the circumcision on the same stance that it had been. And Paul says right away, hey, we're the circumcision. We, we are Israel. We're, we're God's people now. We boast in who? We boast in Jesus. We serve by what? We serve by the Spirit of God. Watch out for those people who have confidence because of how good they are, who, who are gaining confidence in how good they are. This is hard. This is hard, and I think that's why Paul's saying, I'm going to say it again and again, because it feels good to feel like we are good. It does. It, it feels good to feel like we are good with God because we are being good, because we have a list of things that we can accomplish and go, okay, I have done this, I am doing this, I'm living this way exactly, and because of that, I have confidence in my standing with God. And it's a false confidence in our standing with God. It puts us in the driver's seat, and we like to be in the driver's seat. Some of you are control freaks, and so this makes total sense to you because you love to always be the one who is driving. You love to always be the one who is in control. But when it comes to this, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our standing with God, the truth is it's not something that you are controlling. It's something that God has control. He's saying don't have 
confidence in these things that man is building. We live in a world where, for the most part, we're rewarded based off of merit. Uh, or rewarded, you're given this because you were blessed in this situation. And because of that, because of what you do, because of what you've been given, you, you, you get this. You receive something. And Paul says, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And, and Paul's an interesting character because it's okay to read it this way because I think Paul was a very confident guy. Almost a boisterous in ways at times guy. And Paul is looking at the Philippians and he's saying, hey, there are people, he's in jail, and there are people who are out there teaching a different gospel. And notice and remember this, Paul isn't, he, he's, he's okay with people having some ulterior motives as long as they're teaching the gospel. He said that already. But he's saying, hey, they're, they're teaching a different gospel. They're adding to the word of God. They're taking an extra step and putting it on the people. And they're trying to make it about the confidence in what we can accomplish. And he's saying, hey, if anybody, anybody should have confidence in the flesh, it's me. Right, Paul says this without any shame at all. He says, if anybody is going to be confident in who they are and in their standing with God because of what they've done and where they've been and who they've been, it is going to be me. And he says this, he says, circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul does not lack confidence. And it's easy to read it and stop right there and be like, Paul, Paul's honestly kind of cocky. The truth is this, Paul's saying, if that's the way we're judging things, I'm the man. I'm the man in every single way. And the truth is, our God judges things differently than our world does. See, see, the way our world judges things, this fits perfectly in every way. What Paul is saying is absolutely true. He's saying across the board, he's saying, first, I was born into it. You know, and, and there's things in this life that we're rewarded for simply because of nothing we did ourselves, but we're born into a certain situation. We're born into a situation that benefits us. He's saying, when it comes to this, if this is what it's based off of, this kind of merit, I was born into it, circumcised on the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Not only was I born into it, I had the knowledge built into me. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Like I said, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. And this isn't taken in the negative sense that we take it. He's saying, I knew the law. I know the law. Nobody knows the law like I know the law. And going beyond that, born into it, given the knowledge that comes with it. But not only the knowledge, he's saying, I practice it. I practiced it. I practiced it. And hey, no shame here, to perfection. I practiced it to perfection. When it came to practicing the law, I was blameless. And then he goes to another step because it's easy there when it comes to the way we view faith to go, okay, well, I get it, Paul. You know, you're born into a nice situation. You're born into faith. You're, you're given this upbringing that taught you all the things that are right. And you even went out and you were convicted and you lived it. But Paul says, it wasn't just that. I, I have passion for it. When, when it came to zeal persecuting a church, it wasn't just that I was somebody that was going to practice the law privately, was going to make sure I was practicing the law right. I was going to make sure that anybody who wasn't practicing the law in the right way was punished for it. I was going to go out and make sure that I did everything I could to take that out of this world. Paul's saying, I had it all. Paul had the pedigree. He had the knowledge. He had the practice. And he had the passion. He's saying, if that's what it's about, then I have it. Then I have it all. 
Then he says this. The, the stuff that the religious, the, that these false religious are clinging to, these dogs are clinging to, the stuff I had and the stuff I did, it's all garbage. It's all garbage. It's all rubbish. It's all dung. Refuge. Refuse. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Beyond that, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul's saying all of that stuff, everything that defined me as good is a loss if it was blocking me from seeing Jesus, from knowing Jesus, and get this, from needing Jesus. And it is for you too. If all of that goodness you're pursuing is blocking you from feeling the intense need for a Savior, then you need to reevaluate the way you're looking at this whole book because that's not the right message. All that stuff that defined me as good is a loss if it was blocking me from seeing Jesus. If your goodness is blocking you from understanding the full level of your need for the Savior, it's not a good thing. It's not. He goes a step further, and again, as I said a minute ago, he says, I count it all as rubbish. It's garbage. I mean, this, this is not like, like the recycling being garbage. This is, he's saying, he's saying it, it stinks. It's not, not just worthless. It's beyond worthless to me. It was damaging to me. But then he says this, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's a lot easier, and I think it would be a lot easier to build a righteousness that depends on both. Like, if, if you gave me a checklist, if you gave me a checklist and you said, well, this is what you have to be to be right. This is what you have to do to be good. I, I, think, I, I think I could feel some comfort there. I, I could feel some false sense of comfort because there would be moments in my life where things were going really well, where I was able to hit that checklist and my life was in good shape. My standing with God was in good shape. But the truth is, it's this false sense of confidence because there's this constant in and out of grace, in and out of being in a good standing and good relationship with God. Here's the problem I believe we run in here into here that Paul is trying to help us to be reminded of and to fully understand. Hear that last part of the verse again, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. We struggle with full dependence on God. Full dependence on God. We, we struggle with, with surrendering ourselves and being fully dependent on God. We'd much rather build our life around things that we can, in our own mind, in our own hearts, in our own life, fully depend on ourselves as opposed to depending on our God. So the goal here, the goal here in knowing Jesus is not to be good. It's not to be good. It's to be in a relationship with the one who is. It's not to be perfect. It's to be in relationship with the one who is. That's what Paul says. He says, I, I want to know Jesus. I, I want to know Jesus. 
And when you hear that word, it, it goes beyond because there are elements throughout Philippians and through some of Paul's other le- letters that, that symbolize maybe in some ways a deeper relationship. And, but, but I believe this actually goes a step further because he, he's saying, I don't, I don't want to just have knowledge of Jesus. So you can, you can have a lot of knowledge of Jesus and, and the person he's describing in the past could have had a lot of knowledge of Jesus. A Pharisee can have a lot of knowledge of Jesus. He's saying, I, I want to know Jesus. I, I don't want to just know about him. You know, we, we live in, in, in this internet age where, where we can know so much about people. So much. Like, I, I'm, I'm a good internet stalker. And I, I, can, I can know so much about somebody without having any kind of real relationship with them at all. And Paul's saying here, I, I don't want to just know about Jesus. I don't want to just know that he's good. I want, I want to have this relationship with my Savior. In doing that, he says a few things. He says, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And, and what that tells us is that in knowing Jesus, there's life. There, there's life found in knowing Jesus. But also beyond that, not just knowing the power of his resurrection, but also sharing in his sufferings. See, the first part I think we get. In the first part, we're like, hey, sign me up, Bo. Like, I, I want to know Jesus in that way. I want to know the Jesus that resurrects the dead. I want to know the Jesus that gives me resurrected life. But to share in his sufferings? You know, I don't think many of us are, are praying that prayer at night, you know, God, please let me share in the sufferings of my Savior. But the truth is, in knowing Jesus, there, there's sacrifice. There, there is walking away, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but there's walking away from things you have loved. There is sacrifice. There is death in your relationship with the Savior. Knowing and sharing, and he says, becoming like him in his death. And notice that word, Becoming. Because don't get overwhelmed by this, because what Paul says is a big deal and it's big things here, but it is a process. It's a process of attaining the resurrection, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then Paul says this in what was just read a moment ago at the end in 12 through through, uh, 14. He says, I'm not there. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on and make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Paul's saying, I'm, I'm not there yet. I haven't made it yet. But what I do is I press on. I don't stop fighting. And, and the wording here is very intense. It, it is a true fight. It, it is not like a passively pressing. This is saying I actively press towards it. I continue to fight forward towards the goal. I continue to fight when I'm tired. I continue to fight when I'm beat up. I continue to fight when I'm good. I continually press towards this goal. But I haven't taken hold of it yet. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, one one thing I do, one thing I pursue to keep me on that path, and, and this is a lesson in and of itself, is the second part of that verse. Do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead. I think this is a big deal to think about when it comes to Paul, but also when it comes to your own life, for forgetting what's back there, for forgetting what lies behind. And, and as, a, as a young Christian, I, I used to read this and, and only think about um, 
Paul's heinous past. And, and I think that applies. And I think there, there's something there for us to think about. You know, Paul had done some things. I mean, he, he, he calls it out in this passage. He says, when it comes to zeal, persecuting the church. Paul, Paul had done some things against the cause of Christ, had vehemently fought against the cause of Christ. And, and I think sometimes for us, we, we can relate to that because we have things in our past that we want to keep holding on to, that, that we just aren't allowing ourselves to forget, that we're allowing to still continue to define us. And so because we can't forget that past, we still are shaped by that past every single day. You wake up and it's all about what you've done in a negative way. It's all about everything you've been, every mistake that you've made. And I believe that applies fully. I believe we have to forget the past. We, and it doesn't mean, obviously, that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that, that it's not there, that it wasn't real. It, it's saying it, it can't control you anymore. It can't be the driver of your direction. It can't be the driver of your decisions in this life. But he says, forgetting the past, yes, and I think it's talking about the, the bad he did. But I think in this context, it's, it's really talking about the good. Uh, it's talking about his own goodness. That's what he's been focused on. He's saying, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. You know, it, it's saying it is really easy also, while it's easy to be driven by your past failures, it's also easy to be driven by your past of where you felt you found your goodness of where you found your joy, of where you found your happiness. I have no doubt that Paul found a lot of peace when he was living that life in being Paul, in being the zealot, in being somebody who persecuted the church. He found a lot of peace in that. He found a lot of life in that. And it was false life, and he knows that, and he's saying it's garbage. But he's saying, I can also fall back into wanting parts of that life again. And I believe that's what happens to us. You, you can know fully that the life with Christ is the life you want. And still, if we're not careful, we can reflect back on parts of our past that, that aren't good for us, aren't who we want to be, aren't what we want to do and what we want to be. And kind of miss them a little bit. Kind of want to go back to that piece of me that I, that I know wasn't good at all. Same, forget the past. Forget, forget the good, the bad, and the ugly. Instead, strain forward towards what's ahead. Like strain, fight for what's ahead. So I'd ask that question, where, where's your focus? Where, where's your focus? We, we learn from our past, but we live in our present and we strive towards the future. So, so what are you focusing on in your life? Are you allowing the things from your past to shape you in a positive way or the things that still continue to define you? And then Paul says this, he says, I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. I keep pressing on. So, so what's the goal? Is it, is it goodness? Is it being good? Is it, is it forgiveness? Is it, is it that we, we find forgiveness? See, my goals get off sometimes. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you, you can... Um, you can feel that sentiment. You can be right there with me. If, I, if I'm not careful, you know, I, I start pursuing things and, 
and I'm just, just kind of mindlessly going through and, and pursuing things that, that aren't really what I wanted. They're, they're not, the, not the goals that I had in the beginning, not what I truly care about at my core. You know, one, of, one of the fears, I think, in, in being a preacher is, and leading a church has always been and still is, like, to, to continue to lead everyone else and to talk every day about how you need to know Jesus, you need to know Jesus, and then 40 years later to not know Jesus. Just being honest. It's a fear. To focus so much on getting up and giving a good lesson and, and, and saying the right things when people are going through different things, but then in your own walk, your own personal walk, to not actually know Jesus Christ. So what's the goal? The goal is not goodness. The goal is Jesus the goal is to know Jesus Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, that he is still, understand this, he is still resurrecting lives. The biggest problem with resurrection is that um, there has to be death first. And some of us aren't experiencing a resurrected life because we haven't really been willing to die to our old self, really unwilling to let go. See, the truth is, as much as we've come this morning and when we have confidence in Christ, we, we still kind of doubt death. Well, we do. You know, maybe, maybe for you, you have a toxic relationship with something or someone. Yeah, you know, that, that word, we, we throw that out and that word toxic's, you know, thrown around a lot lately. But, you know, toxic means that if, if you keep consuming it, it actually leads to a slow, painful, unhealthy death. And so maybe, maybe you have this toxic relationship with someone or something and you know it's terrible for you. You know it is not what God is leading you to. And you sit and you doubt why you haven't been able to conquer this. Why haven't I been able to defeat this? Why haven't I been able to walk away from this? When the truth is, I think for a lot of us, we're, we're just not willing to let it die. The truth is, we're, we're the ones that are still giving it life. We're the, we're the ones that are still keeping it alive because at some point in the past, it, it gave us something. And so when we look back at it, we, we really aren't sure that we want it to die. We know that it should, but we're not sure that we really want it to. It brought fulfillment at some point, so it's hard to imagine leaving it for good. And so instead, we try to keep it alive in the closet. And we just hold on to it a little bit. I'll challenge you this morning. I, th I think it's time. It's time for you to forget the past. Forget the past, good, bad, that's defined you, and push toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, to allow the things that need to die, to die in your life, to know him, to experience death. In doing this, experience the power of living a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. If that's what you need today, we'd love nothing more than to start that walk with you. If it's, if it's that you, you know you're ready to be baptized today, we'd love nothing more than to fulfill that fill that water right now. And if it's that, that you want to just talk more, you want to see what, what this resurrected life is truly all about, we'd love nothing more than to do that. I know there are multiple people here who would love to talk to you about what it's like to know Jesus. If you have any need at all, would you come as we stay in worship?